Welcome to Zeitgeist with Zach Geist. I'm your host, Zach Geist. This show is made possible by Student Loan Tutor, which you can find at studentloantutor.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment and give us a review. Thank you. Welcome to Zeitgeist with Zach Geist. Um, today, I also have Madeline here with me, and I have Yegon and Eve, and we are at a location in the middle of the Pacific that will be undisclosed, <laughs> talking about their uh, most recent release of their album, The Gaian Code, as well as what, their, what 2020 is bringing and the shift uh, in the Kalia Scintilla um, Know what to call it, the spirit of the the, the work behind Kalia Scintilla. Uh, so today I've got Yegon and Eve. How are you doing? We're doing amazing. Fantastic, actually. <laughs> That's great. And Madeline, how are you? Yes, I'm great. So right. glad to be here. <laughs> this has been the longest I've gone without recording a podcast, so I'm a little rusty. It's been a full month of uh, traveling around an island in the middle of the Pacific. Uh, so uh just recently madeline played at ecstatic dance here at kalani which i referred to as the vatican of ecstatic dance when i was there it's one of those creative moments that came to me Uh, it's actually coming up on their 20-year anniversary and we run ecstatic dance salt lake city which most of our listeners know about and yegon you've played two of those dances um and i noticed that uh, both of your sets that you probably all three are the most listened to ecstatic dance sets on SoundCloud. I don't know if you knew that, um, but yeah, that happened somehow. So uh, <laughs> there's something about your music that is uh, clearly bringing people to states of ecstasy and states of the ecstatic. And we don't refer to that as uh, something that you reach by a specific drug, although a drug may help you get there. But we're talking about states of the ecstatic as in mystical states of consciousness or being connected to the divine. Uh, and this is possible through many ways, one of which is dance, another one is music, another one is going into trance. And uh, the more of these that you combine together in a, you know, a creative, fluid, intentional way through ceremony, uh, maybe the easier it is to go very deep into these very healing realms and revelatory realms. Uh, so uh, maybe we'll start with uh, what is the intention behind the most recent release of uh, Gaian Code? What's the story behind this album? What inspired that? And what are you looking to do uh, or uh, elicit with this album or evoke, I guess I would say? Mm-hmm. What if I told you that it's art and you have to work it out for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> <That's an> easy <laughs> answer. <laughs> hey, I think he just bypassed my <laughs> question. <laughs> Yeah, we've obviously put a lot of intention and a lot of meaning into this last album. Uh, Many of our fans know it's taken five years from the last album release to release this album. And it's a very uh, powerful and potent message for the planet right now. A lot of people are very connected to what's happening in the destructive forces uh, that are all over the news in regards to climate change, uh, Australia being on the highlight as it's in flames, 
um, getting a lot of people talking and in a powerful way to start really being serious with the fact that we have to change the way that we're living. And so for us as storytellers, uh, we look to the ancestors and we look to the ancients through music, through story, through dance, through performance, and infusing what the ancestors have been saying forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we started this five years ago, and it's amazing that the environment uh, for people to really hear what the message is is so ripe, um, which was... As storytellers, we're always waiting for the audience to listen, right? And so for the audience to have this dire need now to mm-hmm. listen uh, feels really, really good. Now that the album is out, we're really receiving waves uh, of that back. So I think the message is, is being received. Yeah, the the intention um, behind this album is something that sort of grew uh, and evolved over time. Um, when we left off with the previous album open ancient eyes of um which is the previous chapter in the trilogy with the third chapter yet to be created um yeah we we had an idea that the story would continue after open ancient eyes and and then came this understanding that in open ancient eyes we talked very deeply to the connection of the humans to the bloodlines and the tribes of earth and so it would make sense that once we've connected on a human level through the music, then we'd connect to the earth. And so we started to just um, kind of throw ingredients into our cauldron and write things down and sit down on the earth and talk back and forth about ideas and concepts and mythologies that relate to the earth, the creation stories and we just sort of put all these things together and we started to um, create the album and the initial um, studio sessions were very, um, they, they were very deep on some levels, but they weren't very productive. The mm-hmm. music that came out in that initial uh, production time, there's only a few songs that ended up on the album, some of the beginning parts. And so it was very obvious at the end of that six months in the studio that we needed to actually really live the story on a way deeper level and get way more inspiration as to how the story would unfold throughout Guy and Code. And then we ended up on the road for 14 months, traveling to between 20 and 30 countries, sitting in nature, recording nature, speaking to people about nature, experiencing the beauty of nature, but then also seeing the destruction and the human effect of nat- on nature. And so, yeah, all these things kind of came in together mm-hmm. and really um, informed the intention of the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we'll probably open this podcast episode with the beginning, probably clip what I'm saying out and open with the beginning song uh, from that album, because I think that that tells a a big story. Uh, You hear a lot of different sounds of nature, both the nature, like what we would call a beautiful, the beautiful living sounds of life in nature, and then you hear 
uh, the sounds of human nature maybe in its more destructive elements and what's happened with technology uh, when it's used to exploit or expropriate um, from the planet, which essentially uh, expropriates from people and ultimately from ourselves, even the ones that are expropriating, you know, taking away from the planet or taking away, taking away from other people uh, are also losing. Uh, what comes to mind is we were talking right before this podcast about your recent trip to New Delhi in India and Madeline spent, you know, almost three years in India working with children with autism, uh, you know, practicing yoga and, you know, which is fascinating to picture a, a white woman from Utah uh, teaching uh, autistic Indians in India yoga. Uh, however, you would think that that niche was already filled, but there was nobody doing it. And they were so receptive to hear their own medicine coming back at them through this, you know, this white woman from Utah that was deeply compassionate and wanted to help them. Uh, she wasn't making money from it, of course. She was working with a, a, a nonprofit out there. And it's, I even feel strange, like, like apologizing for making money. Like, what, what would be wrong if somebody was getting paid to teach yoga? I mean, these are the medicines that need, our monetary system needs to reward people that are doing the deep healing work. So people that are healing people aren't struggling to survive. Um, you know, it's a, it's a deep a deep challenge that we have where our economic system doesn't match our, our heart and our values and our soul, our soul values and what the planet needs. Can I speak to that? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so what comes up for me when Zach brings up this time in India and then just having listened and really being struck by your most recent album and feeling the prayer that really moved through that, um, I was also shocked that when I went to India, I went there to learn yoga and to study and to find teachers and immediately was taken into a teaching role. And I felt like in a way, there's something that's being called to speak through us. Like you talk about going back to nature and really sitting with nature and talking to people about nature and understanding what it is that wanted to come through and this kind of transference of the prayer that I feel like nature wants us to express. And I felt like that when I first found yoga of like, oh, this is a way that we can heal ourselves on an internal level, this like in-body healing like you're talking about. Um, so, you know, I, I'd love for you to speak to that maybe in the, the deeper prayer uh, that, you know, and how that felt coming through you both. The prayer piece is such a living, breathing part of um, what's needed on the planet, um, bluntly. And for us, um, there's a need for our souls to connect um, with things that go beyond what we can put words to. And the music and the performance is what really uh, lends itself to be able to share that experience with people. Mm. So it's something that we do on the daily, and it's something that we invite those that we live with and around to feel that. And I feel that's why people feel it inside of the music. I feel that's why they feel it inside of the intention and the story itself, because we're living it, we're breathing it, and we're doing it on the everyday, and it's a devotion and a dedication. And there are groups of people that I teach uh, ritual theater to, 
And I ask this of those women, the women that step on the stage to do the album. And we had a big, beautiful album launch at Boulder Theater um, in Colorado in October. And each one of those beings were asked to do that. Uh, so prayer is is vital, and it's also something that's very powerful on the planet, and that truth is coming to the light. You know, even as we had Standing Rock, we had visions of beings who were praying, and those beings were being attacked for just praying. Mm. So if prayer wasn't powerful, why are tanks and guys with, you know, guns trying to attack people who are praying. And I think that this is a visual uh, symbol to people to wake up to mm -hmm. the fact that prayer is powerful. And the way that we've been doing it as humans is through dancing, is through music, is through art. So the need for art and the need for us to reconnect with that primal way uh, is very, very strong. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is what people are feeling inside of the art itself. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about that Standing Rock thing and how that's happening in Australia right now with the world's biggest coal mine mm. um, being approved on Aboriginal tribal land. And most recently, they, the mining company fenced off the Aboriginal dance circle, which wow. is a sacred place of worship where they do ceremony connecting to the earth. Mm. And this company that had no legal right to take away these people's land, just fenced off, you know, where they do their worship. And yet this is a story we're hearing all over the planet in every place we went on our travels, places like Greece and Ireland, everywhere we went, the same stories. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the, the prayer and the medicine in the album is very much just focused on reconnect to the earth. When we reconnect to the earth and we go and walk bare feet on her and we talk to her and we commune with her, immediately we feel love, we feel joy, and we begin to celebrate her. And that's something that many cultures have lost that celebration of the earth, you know, there's so many ancient cultures that it was in, it was in their nine to five, you know, part of their day, every day, part of their week was celebrating the earth, mm. singing to her as they, you know, hunted or planted or whatever they did. So, yeah, I feel like the simplest and most powerful prayer in that album is just to reconnect and know your connection to her and know her as a part of you. Um, when you start a dialogue with earth, you start to have her mirror things back to you and you start to realize that there is no separation. You know, there's an energy that runs from the sun to the earth and then it runs from the earth into us. And then we're connected to the sun as well. So it's like this feedback loop of energy where so and then and then from you to the music yeah. from music back out and it's this yeah and i think things get often get cut off there's this idea that there is this separation there's these separate separate parts separate people and and it's not that we're necessarily quote unquote all one like all the same all homogenous and you know uh spitting images of one another but I mean, the ancient Greeks believed that, you know, we, when the human being was born, they were born with their daimon, 
which was their essentially soul piece. They're, they're a part of their soul. There was two people born when they were born. If there was twins, there was four and so on ad infinitum, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, the idea is, is that we all have gifts that we come in this world to be able to share. And we're told oftentimes it's perpetuated that we don't. And, uh, and I think it's perpetuated by those that haven't discovered their gifts, which is sad. And uh, it's very easy to be mechanical. I, I remember the human nature sounds, that, which I'm not going to say all of human nature is twisted. A lot of times people say something, you know, it's made by humans, it's bad. And I, I don't I don't stand with that or thought is bad. You know, I don't think that either. I mean, some of the most beautiful stories that we that we still that are still alive today in the fairy tales and myths that are very beautiful came through thought. Now, I don't also believe that thought is something that like my brain does this computation and comes up with this thought. I think of the brain more not only as an antenna. I also believe that it participates and I whatever I am, whether I am my relationships, whether I am this daimon, whether I am also this ego. It's not about the ego is a reflection mechanism and it does help us uncover both our individual and collective shadow. Um, where am I going with this? Um, when I was on the drive down here to this beautiful place, and it's stunning, the drive that we took here, and your view here is absolutely stunning, breathtaking. I mean, this is truly a gift that this place had found you and brought you here. I'm sitting in their studio that's in their home that's mm -hmm. overlooking absolute paradise. And, and you said a prayer uh, in order to find this place. And I know that you said that you had something that you wanted. What was that that you wanted? It was a very unusual thing it's in your a space. a corner tub. A corner <laughs> tub. And, and Yegon had another thing that he had wanted that doesn't usually go with corner tubs, which was? A waterfall. And it has both of those things <laughs> and even more. And, and, and the form of prayer was, I think you had told me that you had just written down these things. And sometimes people may be against prayer because they've written down things in the past and it hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. And so they say, well, you know, prayer clearly doesn't work. I asked for my uncle to stop beating me and I prayed about it and he still kept doing it anyway. And then we throw the baby out with the bathwater. But sometimes our soul needs terrible things to happen oftentimes for us to be wounded in a way that we could then heal that wound and through healing that wound, heal so many other people that are wounded even more than that uncle. Maybe that uncle doesn't get healed from you directly, but maybe it happens some other way and maybe it doesn't. And uh, if there was so much certainty and you think that way through to the end, it's a miserable life if you know everything that's going to happen before. If you have a perpetual deja vu, that sounds like torture, you know. Uh, but during your set that I, sorry, during that album, when we were listening to it on the way here, for example, with completely, you know, quote unquote sober, this life is pretty much the biggest trip of all, right? I mean, like we didn't exist at one point and then we do exist and like thoughts come around and look at all this technology. Where did that even come from? We were playing with rocks and sticks a few thousand years ago. Uh, you know, what the heck happened between then and there? I mean, uh, I know we're dealing with a time right now and, and you guys have come from the festival world where especially a lot of people do a ton of psychedelics that listen to your guys' music. Uh, and, uh, I think what a lot of people would be surprised on is that most of the time, I mean, you guys have obviously worked with psychedelics, but most of the time you don't. And, uh, you look to reach these states through the music and through intention and prayer. And I would wonder if you wanted to speak to, uh, the direction that the Kalia Santilla project is going and not that we're, that it's not part of psychedelic medicine and psychedelic experiencing, but how these same experiences could happen without an external agency other than the music that's mm. that's coming through the one piece that you had 
not fully completed was that yeah. we really felt like we were on a medicine, yes, like I some sort so. of psychedelic medicine while listening to the music. So it's though it changes the current state that we're in or mm. just mildly alters it in a way that we feel more connected. So then I'll mm. hand it off to you. Yeah. Um, there's many layers to this. Uh, I feel that um, when you create art, whether it's music or visual art or dance or anything, um, theater, it's, it's really the intention and what you embody and hold while you're creating that, um, as to what gets imprinted in it and is what, and what gets received on the other end. And there's a sort of a, a, a very deep mystical realm that we've been exploring and, and watching as we create art and have people have experiences and certain times there'll be intentions we set for a piece of art for a song and someone will come back to us and say oh I listened to this song and I had this vision and we haven't written down anything about what our intention was for that song but they saw the intention they saw the vision even specific deities or characters or places and it sort of got us wondering about this morphogenetic field of art and how the human picks up on these subtle things that are outside of what our science can tell us exists, but they're there because you start to see them come back again and again. Um, a good example that relates to uh, exploration of substances, which is something I did a lot in my 20s, and um, yeah, I was very adventurous and I just wanted to try everything. But with that came a lot of intense addiction um, connected to childhood wounding. And so I danced with addiction for many, many years and decades even. And it's still something that is a part of um, what I'm working with, even though I've moved beyond the majority of it. But through my work with addiction on a personal level, I've... I didn't realize that as this was happening, it was something that was being put into the music. And then I was on a dance floor in Chicago and a guy came up and said, oh, I just want to thank you so much because a friend of mine quit heroin six months ago after listening to your mm. album. Wow. Mm. And that's when I thought, oh, wow, wow. I've done a lot of addiction clearing within myself over the course of making that particular album. Mm maybe that stuff is in there, even though I didn't intend it to be. Mm. And then I started to listen to music that had been created by other artists under the influence of certain substances. And I started to feel the flavor in the music of mm. that substance mm -hmm. to the point where if someone's written a song while they're, they're stoned, usually I can just say, oh yeah, you wrote that when you were stoned, didn't you? Because it's just something that you can feel in there, mm. even though it's not really something that is intended to be put in there. So that got me really thinking about um, the creation of art and substances. And um, in my entirety of making music, I've only ever uh, written one song um, while smoking weed. Mm. And it was just an experiment. And um, yeah, it just came out in a certain way and I liked it, but it didn't really feel 
true. It was like I was creating art with the filter of this medicine, this plant medicine. Mm -hmm. And it felt like it was very much a collaboration between me and her, um, <laughs> which was a weird feeling. And so I'm definitely, when I teach others about um, music and creation, I, I stay pretty firm in the idea of keeping yourself as sober as possible to get your uh, vessel and your filters as clear as possible when you're making that art so that the art is as clear and true to your soul and whatever you're connecting to. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, it's definitely a deep topic. Hmm. I think with all the intentions, uh, we can't overlook that the power of that. And that brings me back to what I was talking about before of we live this, uh, this is our daily practice, our daily prayer. And when we are creating the art, uh, our place is pristine in the sense of where we're getting our food, how we're getting our water, having a routine that we're sticking to every single day. And we're focused on the intention of the story. So let's just say that we're working on the story of fire. We will be in that space of fire, maybe even bringing fire into the studio space with us. I will be studying uh, stories, uh, mythos about that particular element, and we'll maybe use that element, right? That day we'll light the candles or we'll go to the fireplace. So we're engaging intentionally to feel it, to interact with it, and then create art in that way so it's not an idea it's not a concept and the reason why this particular album took so long was because we really lived it so when we were inside of these different parts of the mythology that you that you definitely hear inside of the actual album that was happening some of those pieces were happening uh in a, a metaphorical way but then in a very physical real way and we would have new insights when something in real life would happen that we would totally understand and want to put into the album itself. A lot of the words that, that are spoken inside of the album is a process. <laughs> it's a sketch of the arc of the story, but then I allow my experience of life to come into um, it, like a mirror almost of, of what wants. And I am always asking that question, what wants to be said? What are the mm -hmm. perfect words? How do I craft something and hit it right in the center without being too wordy, too, too much to that? So mm -hmm. there's a lot going in and sitting day after day, month after month, even year after year, I'll take one poem that was created maybe three years ago, and I'm constantly rearranging it, plucking it out, plucking a couple words here and there. Yegan's plucking sounds. Mm. Um, we're collecting things from when we're on the road. Sometimes we'll sit with a little recorder and actually talk about ideas. Mm. So we're, we're chewing on it. And then this is what like gets digested. And then when it's ready to come out, it's almost as if it's effortless. But it's because of all of that daily intention, all that daily prayer, all that daily living, all of the uh, living, breathing and, and creating of it. And so the final result is super trippy music that just makes you like totally wig out, man. <laughs> it makes you feel like you're yeah. on MDMA driving down the road at three in the afternoon. Yeah. You're like, yeah. am I safe to drive? I, I, I pointed to one of our friends here and uh, 
I had goose I had goosebumps all over and I'm like, wow, what is you know, what is going on? I hadn't had any coffee or anything, you yeah. know? And yeah. so yeah, it's powerful. And 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 I want to talk about the the person, the human being as the medicine. And sometimes, you know, we consume a medicine to experience something. And when we're creating what I heard you say that was so powerful is that it, there was no other filters. It's coming direct. Like you're trying to be as pure of a filter as possible. So there aren't multiple spirits coming through you uh, in the form of different medicines. So you're taking that directly. Although there's probably some p- powerful alchemical processes, as long as it's done consciously, you know, I consciously want to make this song while underneath this medicine. Well, the spirit of you know. tea is in there a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and cacao. Oh, we heard her. Yeah. yeah. So. so if you feel like you've drank in a bunch, drunk a bunch of tea and have to go to the bathroom, that's, that's oh what it's coming, it's coming from Yegon over here. Oh my gosh. It does make me think about the just the giving birth process, although I've never given birth or had a child. Uh, just to thinking of, you know, doing all of the stretches before and the right eating and like what you're telling yourself internally Mm. and then like getting ready for this experience and how it can, you know, as I I've heard stories of how it can really feel like a transcendental experience and like having this, what could also be a very painful, almost traumatic experience in a hospital, but instead can feel like this, you know, you're, you're expanding your world by bringing this new life into being. And I think with art, especially, or anything that we create, and especially having the two of you work on this together, it's like a third being gets created in a way. And it's mm-hmm. you're both a part of it. And it's very much like essential that you stay there and for its life to be given. But then at the same time, it's its own creation and something that other people get to take part of, too. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't really realize, you know, we get lots of people asking us, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have yeah. kids? And we're like, well, we did. And they're like, wait, what? And I was like, she's called Open Ancient Eyes. And, you know, we're about to birth this new one. Her name is Guy and Code. Yeah. And they're just like, no, 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 like a real kid. We're like, no, 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 really. It's yeah. like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, we feed, were, you feed them, you yes, feed her, you name her, day. you know, you, you, <laughs> you live, you live with her. it, her. <laughs> yeah. And Seriously. when she's out in the world, you see her walking and talking to different people and you're like, oh, I raised her well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. So touching. I love the one thing. You fed her lots of tea and cacao. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super healthy, baby. For real. I just keep thinking of the quote of the, the grandmother is it grandmother tree or the grandmother spirit that comes the in tree. the grandmother yeah. tree right and um just the right at the beginning she says you know it's those of you that aren't crying that we're worried about you know and just to feel this deep grief that i think so many of us are experiencing too you know there's this immense joy and waking up to so much beauty and these transcendental experiences and with that i feel as my heart opens more layers of grief come in you know, for what's happening. Of course, Australia being on the news and really highlighted, as you were saying, we see all of these pictures and then there's just layers and layers behind that. So I don't know where I was going with the grief. Yeah, I, just, I can I can actually talk yeah. to this a little bit. It's mm. kind of stimulating some things. Mm. Um, it Yeah, when we first started creating that opening sequence and then we decided to put in the sound of chainsaws and destruction, mm-hmm. um, I, a a part of me that's just totally love and light, just wanted to bypass any sort of confrontation with the shadow Mm -hmm. in, in that intensity. But once I dropped into the realization, um, after Eve sort of, sort of 
yeah, explained it to me in a really deep way where I got it. There was this realization that right now witnessing that is breaking us open to tender parts that need to be released and need to be touched and, and held. And so then it became very like a mission to make it as powerful as I could with as many intensities and intense sounds. And yeah, then because it is this awareness that there's so many of us that are so numb and you know, the, the digital matrix just bombards us with things again and again and again to the point where it's very easy to just see something and not even feel a connection to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we wanted to get deeper than that numbness and, and touch into the truth of what's going to break us open and help us to cry because mm -hmm. that those tears, you know, they're connected to the earth. Yeah, there was crying, I believe, in the first track was a man crying. That was me. Mm -hmm. That was you. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's um, such a potent and powerful thing to ask people to feel, mm -hmm. um, especially in our Western society that we're told that feelings are weak or they're not to be accredited for anything um, and this album obviously does the opposite. It's asking you to feel because our feelings are a way to connect, to connect with each other, to connect with ourselves. And ultimately, as the grandmother tree says, it's those of you who are not feeling, you know, that that are the ones who are destroying. So if you feel, then obviously you can uh, come alive with the very fact that we all are connected and there's no separation. And that seems so simple and so basic when we say it in words. And yet I feel like our collective story is on a mission to discover the depth of that truth as an experience. Mm -hmm. So the music and the story is really aimed to give the listener that experience and to take them through it into the depths of it and then feel this soft mother voice who's wrapping around you and holding you while you're crying and while you're feeling. Mm -hmm. So her gentleness and her softness is really intentional. And there's one part where it gets me the most. You know, sometimes when you're doing character work, the character is just flowing through you. But when you listen back to it, there's just this beauty of softness that I love about her and I fell in love with her and I was just like I love the grandmother tree do you love the grandmother tree because I love her I love her too <laughs> I love her but it's that feeling of like <laughs> that that mama wants to hold and and she she's there for us and that's the piece that we really want to say to humans is that we're not alone and we keep you know the story of feeling alone is so strong on our planet we feel so isolated we mm. feel ashamed for the destruction mm. and the digital and bad us and bad patri patriarch and it's the opposite Gosh, yeah. I heard a quote mm -hmm. recently by Stephen Jenkinson. He said, Mis misanthropy is not a replacement or a substitute for a conscience, meaning that you can't, misanthropy just means that, I didn't know what the word meant when I first heard it. Uh, obviously, we don't know what words are before we hear them, but um, mm -hmm. 
it means like a deep disdain for humans. And I think what is so, so many people say right now is they're just like, oh, these terrible people are all humans are idiot. We're going to burn this world to the ground, but the earth will be fine, you know, but we'll, you know, the people will be wiped out. And, uh, I don't know. People are pretty resilient. They like give, co they put cockroaches to shame <laughs> in their ability to survive all sorts of things. Cause we have this crazy stuff called technology that could build much stronger shells, uh, than a cockroach can. So, we could survive in all sorts of conditions, especially being that we could like leave the planet and come back and do all sorts of things. So I think that we're really being invited into trying to understand the people that are destroying the planet and other people as very hurt people. You can't do that if you're not hurting. And I think maybe I come from somewhere like that. I had a really challenging upbringing with a lot of pain and suffering and saw a lot of dark ass shit. And uh, something that I've noticed causes grief. I could see terrible things and I don't feel grief. I feel rage, you know, or I feel nothing, but mostly rage now. I used to feel nothing. Uh, now, what actually causes grief is seeing extreme levels of beauty and feeling love. Actually, that is what creates grief. I'll walk to somewhere and see something really beautiful and I'll actually start to feel unprocessed pain that I wasn't able to feel. I didn't have the background of the beauty to be able to have the space to feel it. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we see these people, the Bolsonaros or Trump or whomever that appear to just be like, well, when is enough? Like, what, where are they going? They're doing more of the same thing and not seeing someone that's like, I mean, it's pretty easy to look at it as evil in certain eyes. And maybe it is, but like to simply label something as evil doesn't help either. But you probably don't can't change Trump's mind unless you're listening to this and he's in the next room from you or he's your brother-in-law or something. Uh, but there's people that are really tied into that story. They'll gather around other people like that. And I think really it's an invitation to show them beauty. Um, and sometimes that's really the fucking hardest thing to do. It's really easy to say, hey, you're a scumbag, you're a loser, you, you know, patriarchy or whatever it is. But to really drop that misanthropy and try to drop this uh, the cynical nature you know um is very challenging because then you have to be with it it just kind of sits there and uh something new hopefully comes in of how do i really do i really want a different world because if i do i'm gonna have to sit here and be with this person that is grotesque to me in some way and uh how do i do that this mm -hmm. is a human story mm -hmm. so the word uh in the beginning there was darkness that mm -hmm. repeats literally three or four times. Mm -hmm. That's intentional. So we're starting in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And from the darkness, mm -hmm. something is born and something's created in every single creation story. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end, we find the Hawaiian creation story, which talks about how the darkness and the light come together, right, to create this new universe. Mm -hmm. So that's the arcing uh, narrative that we continue to repeat that, yes, look around, we're in the darkness, mm -hmm. but something is being born if we listen and we hear. And something greater that's been talked about from all of our ancestors, there's something um, that we're pointing to inside of the art for the, for the listener to find for themselves. Yeah, this is this is a human story and we're all connected to it. We're all co-creating this experience on Earth together as a species and regardless of whether you get into space lizard conspiracies and all of that stuff. <laughs> we love the space lizards. Yeah, the space lizards. Um, 
even if that stuff exists, it's still a human story. We're still co-creating this together and we have to take responsibility for ourselves as a species, as an organism on this planet. No one left out. Hmm. And when you were speaking of the uh, shell that starts to be formed around uh, like protecting ourselves and then the grief with the beauty, I think, again, it's like, so much of what's happening in our world and the destructive nature is happening because of our separation from nature. And so continuously bringing people back and, uh, you know, it's it starts with a dive into nature, which I think is also a dive inward. We've been talking a lot recently, being in this much more open space, we're out of a city now, that our ego has nothing to project onto when you're out of a city. You just have nature. It's just like you and the natural environment and so a lot of things will start to be brought up to the surface that were able to be suppressed or ignored before and so I feel like I don't know the greatest like inspiration I had when asking myself over the last few months especially you know as things start to feel more fiery and more destructive and it's just like speeding up so fast like what is our part in this and so much of it feels like just show people beauty, like set up a space where people have see something so beautiful and experience a part of themselves that they haven't been able to experience before really, you know, out of a, a beautiful natural environment that they can never forget. Like it's just that waking up that light switch, you know, and I'm still kind of working on whatever magical spell may go along with that natural environment because I just feel like I want to go around and switch on people's light switch, like wake up. I think Please something change. that's something <laughs> something important here is is uh, a lot of people that have privilege feel like the best thing they could do is shame themselves for the privilege that they have, mm -hmm. and that is not helping at all the people that don't have enough. And there's other people that likely might not be listening to this podcast, and you might think of them. A lot of people that I grew up with uh, that might not have yet the opportunity to do a whole lot because they're busy struggling in the rat race, barely keeping their head above water and uh, acting out deep traumas and complexes and, I mean, in miserable experiences. And uh, I don't think it's their role necessarily right now to be doing whatever that is. But if you have some time, even a little bit, of one room or whatever you have, your hands, your body or whatever, to try to dedicate some of that to this world that you want to see. Because it's so easy to fall and say, just blame something, like point somewhere else and and put it out there. and uh, Or to even sell your gifts to the highest bidder. It's really hard not to do that. Um, and there's some temp some tempting moments. And I know you guys have, you guys get offered a lot of things. And uh, you have to say, well, do I want more of this in the world? I remember for a while I'd write that on my hand. Do I want more of this? And when I would experience something and I and when I would actually remember to read that, sometimes that would help, you know, and sometimes there's a voice that says, you know, you've created all, look at all the bad, you know, the, the bad thing about being me is that I know every bad thing I've ever done or thought or felt or whatever. So that's the really challenging part about this, this human story. Um, I wanted to touch on that idea of India that I touched on and then I, I left. Something that I'll add to what we were just talking about is that I'm loving hearing more languaging around the concept of 
ancestral stuff and epigenetics emerging mm. as a field of science, which is giving us an awareness that things are carried through genetic lines and that we can repeat patterns that have happened in our ancestors because they happened in the ancestors. And the longer they've happened in these lineages, the stronger they are and the stronger they're passed on. So it's awesome to be in a time now where this is coming to the, to the surface and people are talking about it. And all of a sudden we're starting to feel the entity or the energy of shame as something that has existed for a long time and has been carried and passed on. And when we start to bring the light of awareness to something like shame and how it's connected to our ancestors, we start to have a different relationship to it. It stops becoming an automatic response and something that we uh, just run as a program. And all of a sudden we start to have a bit of spaciousness and awareness of how we're running it as a program. So yeah, I'm really loving that languaging right now. Mm-hmm. To realize things are developed just as a protection mechanism, really. And that shame is really an ability to protect ourselves. Again, that shell of like, okay, I'm stronger now, you know, like shaming myself or I feel shame. And so other people can't make me feel bad. You Mm -hmm. know, I already feel bad internally. And um, I think once we realize that we're doing things out of a protection mechanism because we're living in a much more abundant, fruitful time where we're not threatened by our natural environment or other people all the time. I mean, we're very lucky to be where we are now. Uh, It's not the case for everyone in the world, of course, but it does allow us to shift that. I think it's the first kind of waking up to be like, oh, do you want to shed those layers of armor that you've been carrying around for generations, you know? And I don't think a lot of people have been aware. They've believed that, you know, in uh, our modern day that we're born with what's called a tabula rasa. We're born with a blank slate, that we're all the same, you know. We might have some propensity towards one thing or another, but for the most part, we don't have a soul. We're we're a big accident living on a spinning rock that happened out of a big bang that happened to be a miracle, but we don't know where that came from. And that doesn't really matter. We could just figure out, you know, kind of map it out from the bang, you know, in the beginning, right? <laughs> we're just going to map it out from in the beginning, but what was before the beginning? We're not going to focus on that. We're like, where'd that come from? <laughs> well, we, that's too uncomfortable really. Uh, but the idea of ancestors with that, especially when you consider epigenetics, isn't that far. It, it's, it's not far-fetched at all. It's, it's, it's woven into our modern scientific, you know, zeitgeist. Like there are epigenetic patterns and there are traumas also that are passed down. So there's biological, you know, you know, so there's nature and nurture being passed down ancestrally. And what's interesting is that Madeline and I just moved into or we're moving in on Friday into a beautiful place, 85 acres. Uh, we also did a prayer for this. Madeline wanted to help be with these dairy cows that were rescued and, uh, and wanted to figure out a way to adopt these dairy cows and how to live on this farm, a farm somewhere off grid, but like close to town and, you know, what it needed to be. And so we talked about what we wanted and we wrote down a lot of it. And those exact things manifested and even greater than that, things that we didn't even know manifested because it was in alignment with what, with what the soul wanted. But had I not you know, outline that even if this was presented to me, I, I might have missed it. And I think that's what is so valuable about like podcasts, for example. It's an hour long, long copy format. It's the opposite of a meme, you know, and a lot shorter <laughs> than a novel or a long book, you know. But I think we're so programmed now to live in memes. And I think a lot of that, I could go on and on about 
our economic system, we have very little free time and leisure. So every free moment we have, we're like so desperate to have that little dopamine release because our lives are very miserable that we'll fill it with whatever we can, whether that's sugar, whether that's a shocking meme, whether that's attacking the other bad guy. Everybody's got the bad guy. You know, you've got the right, doesn't like the left, left doesn't like the right. They're all idiots. You talk to them, they're idiots, they're idiots. And I'm like, okay, so like, where does this go? You know, how do we put them, how do we put us all in a crucible? Because we are in a crucible. We're in an alchemical crucible. We're on this planet, right? And unless... Uh, uh, Elon Musk is going to build enough space capsules for all of us. Uh, at some point, a large majority of us are going to be in this crucible together. And, yeah. you know, I'm one for figuring out what it is that we could do to help alchemize this, whatever this mess is, into something really beautiful. And sometimes it looks darkest before the dawn. And sometimes it is, you know, it, it does get messy before it all comes together. And, you know, when we talked about poetry, what I really loved is that. You talked about how I was reading earlier today in, in one of Michael Mead's books is that he says that a lot of, uh, I forget which, I think it might be North mythology, that there was a book that came from a living tree and uh, the book was a living book. So essentially the words in the book were living. And when I was a child, I loved the movie, The NeverEnding Story. I was obsessed <laughs> with it. I would play it over and over and over again. Yeah. And essentially in this, in this movie, everybody has lost their imagination and the nothing is coming to eat the world. Stephen King did a play on this called The Langoliers. You know, it like eats, eats the past or whatever. <laughs> and if we lose connection to our past, our past is our ancestors. And most of us, at least us in the West, we don't even really think about that. As a matter of fact, where my family is from, which is a Siberian part of Russia, is uh, there was, Lenin referred to people that were in my family class, which was the educated class, as the former people. He says that is the only designation these people will get this is the only name, is that they are the former people. They have no fucking past. Um, yeah, so, uh, and I think a lot of people that are living in Australia, and a lot of people that are living in the United States are people that left there for a reason. It's not like they're like, wow, this is really awesome. I really love where I live. I'm going to go risk life and death and go to this place I've never been. You know, they were running away from something. And a lot of times there's a lot of shame because you've left where you're, in, your roots are quite literally your roots are now gone and uh, and I think this is a rediscovery and maybe this is an alchemical process for everybody's roots to come together for a great turning a great shift in consciousness and I and I really pray that that's what's happening and sometimes I get really freaking scared and I get scared not so much about what can go wrong but I get even more scared about when I see things that are really beautiful. It's hard for me to, like, I go, I don't, don't get attached to this. Don't really look. Don't look at how beautiful that is. It's almost easier for me to look at, you know, the, the terror of it all. There's like, it's more comfortable. I think it's because we're more used to seeing it as crazy as that is. We're, most, we're more used to seeing fires. Like you hear like, Australia is on fire. And you're like, oh, yeah, Australia too. Oh, yeah, you know, it was California before. It was rainforest before that. You know, it's like almost like, it's not so shocking, but you hear something beautiful and you almost don't believe what you're looking at. You could be seeing it and it's almost hard to believe. And I, I guess I want to encourage myself and in that maybe it encourages some others to really try to be with the beauty. Try to be with what you love doing. Try to be intimate with those that you love. And whether that's, you know, saying what you're really feeling or, mm. you know, like hugging them or whatever it is, like, like be connected. Mm. And it's hard to do it's it's scary and i think maybe that's the most courageous act you know not working 16 hours a day not strapping on a gun and going out like a berserker uh but really like 
you don't know what's going to happen there in that open heart. So, uh, I think that's super powerful. It gives me a different perspective. Um, because I'm carrying the feminine voice, it's been extremely challenging for me to go around the planet and actually stand as a woman and stand as, as a woman next to a man who is idolized. I mean, it's, it's no surprise that people idolize music and therefore they idolize the music makers. I've had a lot of projection uh, at me, and what I'm standing for is for beauty. Mm-hmm. And and you explaining that really shines a light because there are beings who cannot stand it. I would be standing there in full, beautiful feathers and colors, mm-hmm. and they would literally look away and just mm-hmm. stare at Yegan. Or mm-hmm. there's videos where you can literally go on YouTube and you can find Yegan playing. I'm right next to him, and they will zoom in and look straight at Yegan, who has a poker face, mm-hmm. and he's just, you know, pressing buttons on the keyboard. Dude behind a laptop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and this is what you're speaking to. You're speaking to mm. that we are afraid of beauty. And I will tell you a happy part of the story, that after seven years of standing for beauty and for standing for the feminine, that year after year, slowly, more and more people would be able to look. Mm-hmm. More and more people would be able to feel and more and more people have really, really been touched mm-hmm. by the fact that that is something that is getting a voice and it is getting to be seen. And my last tour, I received gifts I've never received before, beautiful fabrics, veils, uh, jewelry pieces. And these people were pouring their hearts out to me in a way that had never happened in seven years. So I believe it's building. I believe we are in an awakening. I believe that the human soul is aching for something more than just seeing what it sees on the news. So I think you're right on. I hope so. It's interesting you say that they can't look at beauty. I'm trying to remember this exactly, and I might butcher it a little bit, um, is that also, Stephen Jenkins had said something really profound. He said, here, outside, we were in Salt Lake at the time, said, outside these walls are hundreds of people. The homeless people had gotten kicked out of their shelter and were just surrounding the building. I mean, it was so appropriate for a night of grief, death, and dying, and reverie. And uh, he said that outside of here, people are shooting up with heroin and taking oxycodone and taking opiates and whatever they can. And what is an opiate? It's an anesthetic. Mm-hmm. What is an anesthetic? It's to cut off from beauty. Mm. It's because you can't see it and there is no beauty to look. You haven't had beauty to look at. So you take the anesthetic and eventually you can't even see it because that beauty, I think I'm, that's what I'm mm. seeing when I see beauty. It's all of a sudden I see all of the lack of beauty that I've seen in my whole life. Mm. Like in India, for example, I I went there with these idealized versions of what it was gonna be like. I spent seven months there and not in the quote unquote spiritual cities. Although the cities that I was in were very spiritual in the sense that you see the shadow side of that whole whole mythos and and of the people suffering to a, a degree that no matter how much you think you know about the world and there's, you know, the, Illuminati controlling everything and everything is planned out and it's all, you know, orchestrated down to the science. Until you've gone to India, I I won't listen to that story from you. If you go to India and you're like, oh, yeah, they've got this all planned out and this is all figured out. Like it is an absolute crucible of suffering. And uh, and I don't see how 
you have to be very numb to drive a Ferrari, which I saw many of, and to live in a gigantic monstrosity of a building while you look out your window and people are literally dying on the street. Not like like we use the word literally to not even mean literally anymore. No, I mean like like they're like in if you look at your watch actually, in an hour they actually, will not yeah. be breathing. Like truly. they're actually truly I don't know what words see like we're looking almost for a new language. We're looking for for truth really. Uh and uh and I think that people are getting there's a there's a small there is a theory that the theory, Rupert Sheldrake's theory of morphic resonance as more of us come into this space I believe that uh the morphic field will enhance and it's not just my belief there's there's a lot of studies that have been done with this like you might be familiar with like the 100 monkey you yeah, know sorry. you have 100 monkeys and all of a sudden it gets super easy for the 101 102 and then monkeys across the world are doing it you yeah. know and i think you know we might be kind of like monkeys in a way i don't know what makes maybe, me think that maybe we're actually holograms <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the times when we hear that it's it's this idea of like you know this this bypass thing. Oh, it's all of, and I hear, and I, and I, I think I know where that comes from. You know, I've heard people say it's all a video game, and I said, well, that's that's great. Maybe that's true, but what does believing it's all a video game do for you? Mm -hmm. Well, it just makes me not take it seriously, and I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, I've I've seen this book. It's called like the subtle art of not giving a fuck, and I'm like, I give a lot of fucks. Yeah. Like 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 I give too much. I like. Uh, the the maybe art, the courageous art. act of giving lots of fucks uh, is maybe that's our our future book that we'll, <laughs> <laughs> that we'll write. Right. Uh, I, I guess I wanted to finish with um, for those of for those that haven't listened and experienced the album. What are some ways that they could engage uh, with the album in a way that you maybe intended on? Um, you know, yeah. dancing and moving with it, dedicating a ceremonial hour to listen to yeah, it, inviting it, their friends over, drinking cacao with the intention. <laughs> I'd love to hear You've that. You've said it all. You've said it all. <laughs> the album is written in the same format that albums that have inspired me over the years is, are, are written. It's a story from beginning to end. It's meant to be experienced as a story from start to finish, preferably in one listening and in a really cozy, quiet place in a dark room with headphones on. And, you know, I used to listen to albums like Pink Floyd and, and, um, yeah, so many epic bands back in the day. And, and those albums fit together as this one piece of art and that's what made them so special. So there was never a, a doubt that this would be a story where everything is connected and woven together and that that is the way it's intended to be experienced. And then also the fact that we wrote it beyond the traditional um, cutoff point for a CD or a vinyl, we didn't want to limit ourselves to writing it within a certain time frame of 80 something minutes. We wanted it to be as long as it needed to be because most people listen to music through digital streaming now these days anyway. Mm -hmm. And you know, those, physical formats are just kind of more of a collectible thing, which is great. But, you know, we also found actually through wanting to put this on vinyl, um, that yeah, vinyl is super toxic and there's no regulations around the plastics in that industry. And mm. the polyvinyl chloride is full of heavy metals and it's not disposable. And 
it's not even recyclable or yeah, it's just really poisonous stuff. So it's been an interesting thing because a lot of people and including myself being an ex vinyl collector want the album on vinyl. Uh, so we've been looking at other options and there are companies springing up now in Europe that are looking mm -hmm. at creating a completely, um, you know, biodegradable and eco-based, uh, vinyl. There's a company now that is doing a, a vinyl pressing where they use all renewable energy. So it's moving in that mm -hmm. direction. Awesome. Yeah. If they could make it out of plastic, they'd be they'd have an abundance, and everybody could have their own personal record collection. Oh my gosh! Maybe we could get never... it pressed on hemp. Right? Yeah, <laughs> hemp's the new yeah. wave of yeah. buildable material. Yeah, I also really recommend just what echoing what you were just saying, listening to it as a full story and allowing it to be a real medicine journey of sorts. Um, and yeah, it was just such a, an album that was so much more of a storytelling than I could have ever imagined. And it's really feels like a new wave of the music as medicine that we're, our earth's really craving. So, yeah. When we used to listen to music, we, we really listened to it. Um, you know, a hundred years ago, we would go to a friend's place and all gather around the piano. You did? You know, I'm, oh, kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> I have an I'm, ID that says I'm a hundred. I'm more than a hundred. <laughs> and, and so music was an, an event. We'd go to a theater, we'd go to the opera and that's where we'd experience music. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. the gramophone came in and we started having recordings of music and still all the way through vinyl and tape and CDs. And in the beginning of the MP3 and digital era, there was still an immersion in music and music was very ritualistic. Now with the ability to stream music from an iPhone or an iPad or every laptop, music is just put on and it's just like someone said to me so beautifully, music has become wallpaper. Okay. It's something we put on in the background mm. and we don't immerse ourselves in. Mm. Music as sound, when you listen to it, if you're listening to it out of speakers, it's enveloping your entire body. Those vibrations are touching your entire body. And that is the way music should be experienced as an immersive thing. So yeah, you know, I, I love to put music on when I'm driving or when I'm um, weed whacking or whatever, but yeah, the the times I get the most out of music is when I'm just sitting there listening to it. So this piece is for the movers, for beings who love to move their body. Uh, the album is focused on the elements, and you can bring the elements into your dance. And so the way that I've done this before is just say that I pick the element of water. And what I do is I honor the consciousness of water and say you want to pray right now for the oceans or for how, um, you know, the awareness of how precious this water is, right? So you put this prayer into the water, you place it in this bowl and put on the water track, put on and even, you know, I love to immerse myself. So I put on a blindfold. Mm and really go deep into the music and allow the music to inform me. Mm. And your body will start to give you things, 
right inside of that experience. So this album is made for that. Every uh, yeah, every track there was literally performance and ritual uh, done for years before what got actually put onto what you're hearing uh, was shared. Mm-hmm. So so I want to add that. That's great. Yegon was telling me outside while we were looking at a waterfall. You know, uh, he was saying that there was a time where there was a song about a prayer or ceremony with in for like the for Pele which is a volcano in Hawaii and uh, the sounds are actually people walking on the lava and some of the other sounds are the actual movement of the lava I mean these are very subtle pieces of the album that if you didn't know were there these are these are those an entire day is spent going out there to get that one little sound that is in that one specific place Mm -hmm. and if you really sit and listen and don't leave it just as wallpaper you'll be able to feel and experience that but yeah if you have something just playing on in the background while you're driving and talking on the phone uh it's harder for the medicine to get through some of it probably does certainly but uh if you really we're at a point now where we've got to when we feel like there's something there that we want we've got to open ourselves up and 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 drink from the fire hose Mm -hmm. i think if we can i do really believe too that we're this perfect culmination of these elements that are you know each have a different song in your album and that of course they're beings and potentially even spirits you know of fire and water that exist outside of us but also within us so as we dance with those spirits this is something that dance is really brought up for me a lot is the ability to dance with fire and it's kind of fast aggressive energy inside of me and even the digestion and and then with the water that's more soothing and calm and flowing and to be able to work with all of those elements within within myself I think is also the way that we balance and heal the world around us Mm. and relate to the world deeply so even if people are not able to go out into nature a lot of our friends are home in snowy utah right now and it may not feel so called to go walk barefoot to tap into those inner elements and realize we have our own uh, natural spring from within us Is there anything? Thank you for coming out, or me coming out to you guys. Thank you for having us here. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Everything's backwards. We're in. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, wanted to see if there's anything that you, else you wanted to share about how people maybe can connect with you. Oh yeah. Uh, and future offerings. Future offerings. If somebody's things. listening to this and they want, uh, they want to engage your gifts in a way. How would they go about doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's um, we're taking some time off the road, so we're working on new music and actually some new projects. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but we'll definitely be developing Sonic Samadhi more, which is the ambient project and mm. more based in meditation and um, reaching deeper <clears throat> states of being in the meditative state. Um, and I've also been working with creating an online course um, or bringing some of my teachings maybe to YouTube. So I'm very happy to start exploring this and um, looking at how I can sort of teach ideas and concepts of what it feels like and how you can live a life as an artist without uh, fear of money um, or fear of being seen, um, how to understand self-doubt and how to interface with it so it doesn't crush you in your 
journey as an artist um yeah there's many many things to explore so those of you who may be uh evolution fans there's a big change that happened on the new album which is um i'm no longer going to be using the performance name evolution uh, i'm stepping now more into speaking and sharing more of my stories and also doing some guided meditation work and that new project is called evoke and so evocationsacredart.com is where you can find all of my offerings and there will be more this year coming out dedicated to beings who love to move their body and to bring intention and ritual to their everyday life and how that enhances your wellness. And for your artistic beings, I have a very special uh, offering that will be dedicated to bringing art as a daily life practice. Beautiful. Thank you both for having me thank at you. your house and thank you for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, both. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. And please follow us to hear future episodes where we discuss topics such as alternative states of consciousness achieved through dance, intention, and shamanic practices, sacred economics, dream work, trauma healing, building community, permaculture, healthy and compassionate living and eating practices, somatic and alternative healing modalities, politics, psychology, mythology, and more. Our work is focused on the liberation of spirit, a return to the sacred, which is a constant collective inquiry. We aim both in person and on this podcast to plant and water the seeds of liberation from economic inequality, trauma, systemic conditioning, addiction, loss of soul, loss of meaning, hopelessness, helplessness, isolation, shame, nightmares, guilt, and a return to glimpses of your birthright, of dignity, joy, community, collaboration, equality, and constantly beautifying new world where you are not alone. And always, if you're ever in the Salt Lake City area, come join us for yoga, dance, or in the garden. A community of beautiful souls are here to welcome you. We gather in community Wednesday, 6 p.m. till 10 p.m. and Sunday, 11 to 3 p.m. And we have a vegan brunch or vegan dinner after every event. Our gatherings are all ages and are of no religious affiliation. We look forward to seeing you. This is a story, a story about you, a story about us, a story about her.
beginning there was darkness.
crying, said the grandmother tree. Yes, that's right. Cry. Cry into my arms. It's good for you to cry. It's those of you not crying that we're actually worried about. Now, you've come back to the forest looking for something, right? Something that you remember but somehow forgot? Yes, yes, that's right. Let yourself remember. This is a story, a story about you, a story about us. <laughs>